Hello, everyone, and welcome back again to the second part of the podcast. It's the Full 40 with Chris and Rob, part of the Stay Tuned Network, brought to you by Nova Insider. Make sure, if you haven't already, listen to part one. We did a full game recap for the UCLA game, talked about some narratives for the season, and obviously um, had a lot to say about the first week that was we uh, we always but, have a lot to say yeah i mean no one's ever accused us of saying too little um yeah. so so that being said this part of the podcast we had to split it into two we're going to talk about the week that was nationally um and also talk a lot about the games coming this week because we have yet again another massive week for Huge. the team so Let's dive right in. I want to talk where we stand nationally. And people who have listened to us from the early days might have might recognize that we used to do this a lot more. Um, and the reason why um, was because when you're really good and you're like actually top 10 good, you kind of have to keep your head up and look around, right? Like you're going to have to say like, where are we going to fall out? Where do we stand in the, in the national scheme? And I think and one big takeaway from the UCLA game was that we are national top 10, top five good. Um, and we should be paying attention um, to what's going on around the league. For the past three years or so, we've had to worry a lot about what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> and so we couldn't focus as nationally. So I think we bring this back this year and we talk a little bit about what happened around the country. Yeah, can't agree more. I feel like the past couple of years, we would have been stretching. Last year, maybe is an exception. We would have been stretching so hard to be like, oh, what's the top five team doing? We're like, meanwhile, we're like, are we ranked 15 or 20 this week? And like, where are we going to fall in the tournament? So it's good to be back in that top five, top 10 conversation week in and week out. So let's get started. I will say also, too. Part two of the podcast. I haven't been buzzed before noon in a long time, but here we are. Let's yeah, go. yeah. You, right. you, you, you're sticking with the Woodford. I actually transitioned off of it. I am now having an ice cold Calamansi Sanzo. Um, so I'm sticking there, avoiding the buzz. Drinksanzo.com. Yeah, drinksanzo.com. I'm avoiding the buzz um, because I got to do that that aforementioned yard work. But once <laughs> it, I do, and, do and it, parenting, and parenting, although maybe parenting I would encourage our, you to drink more. I don't know. Yeah, don't yeah, know. definitely. And anyway. so, and so, what's coming after is several Bud Lights um, are in my future. But I got to get some leaves raked up before I do that. Anyway, what happened around the country last night? So it's a Sunday morning. Last night, Gonzaga and Texas played. Um, another top five matchup on a campus site. Uh, they played at Gonzaga's campus um, and it was a hell of a game from the perspective of the Gonzaga fans showed out. It was a cool atmosphere, but Gonzaga showed why they are in another league relative to Texas. Uh, the game, I think the final score ended up being like 12 or so points, but it wasn't even that close. They were up 20 at halftime and, half, yeah. and this pretty much wired to wire. Uh, Texas and Drew Timmy looked every bit 
the part of, you know, the national player of the year um, that he was expected to earn um, coming into the season. And so Gonzaga looks really good. Uh, you know, I, I hesitate to say they're a team to beat only because they've been the team to beat a number of times and have gotten beaten. Uh, but, but they look every bit the part of a number one team early on in the year with an absolute throttling of Texas. Though I will say the other part of that is Texas does not look like a top five team. So I think we would have held our, our ground a lot better versus Gonzaga than Texas did. Not saying we would have won, but we would have held our ground a lot better um, than Texas did. Yeah. Texas is a little bit of a weird team this year, obviously a new coach coming in. Uh, I believe they also have a lot of transfer talent coming in, which, you know, one, when you're introducing a new coach, there's going to be a learning curve, but two, then we're introducing a lot of transfer talent. One, that talent is like super variable in terms of what you're going to get. Like we've seen successes, we've seen failures of that on the Nova team. You definitely don't know how those players are going to mesh together and going up against a juggernaut like Gonzaga, where those guys have a consistent coach, consistent program, you know, a lot of returning players. Yeah. That outcome isn't all that shocking to be honest, but yeah. I think just a kudos to Gonzaga of like, yeah, we're here. We're number one, get the fucking line. Yeah. Can't, can't, can't agree more. Obviously yeah. with Gonzaga, the question is always going to be, Oh, they look good in the non-conference. And then they play that fucking garbage conference schedule. So the question's yeah. always going to be with them. Can they win the big one? The answer has been no so far. Um, yeah. Quick, quick side note on that. That's kind of BS though. Mark few has, gotten this team to now multiple national championship appearances, multiple final four appearances. They are a very good caliber team, regardless of the crap conference they play. When I say the big one, when I say the big one, I mean, literally the one. I know. (laughs) I know. I'm just saying like that narrative is garbage, but that's a, that's a separate discussion point. Yeah. Um, Then we saw Kansas beat a, a not great Michigan state team, but, but kind of really just held control of that game. They looked every bit, the part of the third ranked team, um, in the country, um, in the champions classic versus Michigan state, that was the undercard. Yeah. Um, the, the, the primetime event was Duke versus Kentucky. Um, and Duke looks just a, a bit better and coach K's kind of swan song here, which I don't want to get into that because we're, we're going to be forced fed that narrative all season long, but he does have a good looking team earlier in the year. And um, Pablo Banchero uh, looks, looks, looks quite good. So, um, so I think that uh, as does Trevor Keels. Um, so I, you know, I think that they are Duke's going to be formidable. Uh, and, you know, the ACC had a really bad week. And so I am thinking like Virginia lost a number of other teams lost by games. They looked really bad. Pitt was awful. Um, so I think what you're going to see is Duke is going to is going to run pretty comfortably through the ACC this year. Um, That's an early prediction. So I I'm I'm thinking that Duke may end up on the one line if they win the if they win the ACC going away um, with a decent non-conference turnout. I think they might end up on the one line. So we'll we'll see how that all plays out. But we're going to have to be we're going to pay attention to it. The one the two seed lines are going to we're going to pay attention to all season long. Um, and transitioning out of that, um, we talked talk a little big East. Big East? Yeah. yeah. Big East. Not a lot of high profile games going on for the big East, which is good in the sense that the big East has picked up a lot of wins. 
It's bad in the sense that the teams have looked really shaky. Um, certain teams have looked really shaky out of the start. Creighton has looked shaky in two wins. Um, and like there was a lot of hype around it because they brought in a really talented class, but they lost everybody. Yeah. And so I wasn't sure I ever followed the, the, um, that Creighton was going to be that good. Um, but then Georgetown, um, who won the Big East tournament last year, had made the dance, um, lost to Dartmouth, which is just terrible. It's quite, it's quite a look. It's quite a look. It's not a good one. That's to be clear. It's a look. It's, it's not good though. Um, It's, I I will say though, remember Georgetown made the dance last year because they, because they won that big East tournament, they made a run and look, they got the spot. They got the guaranteed birth through that. Had they not done that, they would not be in the tournament. And realistically, Patrick Ewing's seat would be pretty damn hot at this point. And you would have to imagine had they not won the tournament, had they not won the big East tournament, had they not gotten that appearance and then lost to Dartmouth to start this season, people would be absolutely calling for his head if he wouldn't have lost his seat already. So something to keep an eye on there for sure. Especially when you consider that they also lost players after that run, which was supposedly such a thing that brought them together. Then they lose Kudus Wahab, who was their big man. Um, and he goes to Maryland, so he goes just like like a hop, skip, and a Excellent. jump away. Mm. Yeah, it, it's mm. really ugly. Um, Georgetown is supposed to be bad again, and I'm not convinced that they're going to be good. And certainly losing to Dartmouth early in the year is not a good look. No, um, so, so the Big East has looked a little shaky. UConn looked good, um, and St. John's looks good. Um, those are the two teams that I think um, had the best first weeks other than us. Yeah. Um, even with a loss to UCLA. So I am, I am interested to see how UConn and, uh, and St. John's uh, look um, going forward. I think you, St. John's put up like 120 or something like that in their first game of the year, which is not like that notable because they played a bad team, but yeah. still putting up 120 is actually kind of hard. It's it hard in 40 minutes. Absolutely <laughs> challenging to do. Yeah. This is always so, also a funny time of year too, where people play random ass teams to start the, start the year. I think the most random team that got played in the Big East was uh, Marquette played the SIU Edwardsville Cougars. They are a powerhouse. So it's, ta- there's a quality lot. win, quality win for Mr. Shaka Smart to start off the year there. Again, there's a lot going on. SIU there. Edwardsville. A lot going yeah. on there. A lot happening. Yeah. All right. Anyway. So that kind of ta- takes us through the Big East. Um we got to talk a little bit, right, about about um, the week to come. We have a we have a not so great opponent in terms of Howard. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. Should we just kind of gloss over Howard? Like, I I just because there's so much interesting with the rest of the week. I don't. I don't know if I'm a listener. Yeah, look, uh, Howard doesn't excite. We got to beat Howard. <laughs> like, like this is on campus. Like. I, this is not a concern for us. Like this should be very akin to the Mount St. Mary's game. My only thing I'll say is that I hope Jay plays the freshman, um, you know, kind of harkening back to part one of this podcast. So I think he will. Uh, but you know, Howard, I'm not too worried about, we got to get into, I agree. We got to talk Tennessee. That's the guaranteed game that we're playing. Yeah. Um, you know, on Saturday and then, and then we're going to play, um, UNC or Purdue in the following game. Uh, so I think we can probably, 
get into yeah. that, right? Let's let's get into it. So a reminder for our listeners that this is Villanova's return to Mohegan Sun, which was like the start of last year's kind of chaotic situation. It was, I think, the best example of like early COVID season chaos, where right before was it was it Baylor was supposed to be in was supposed to be in the tournament. I can't even remember. Yes, I think it was Baylor. That was right. That was right. And, and then Scott Drew got COVID or Scott something. Scott Drew got COVID, and then some of the teams in the tournament were like, "Well." we refuse to play you if you have COVID. And so then Baylor dropped out and it put everything into like a little bit of turmoil. They found some teams, but it was a weird situation where Villanova went up to Mohegan Sun. They were basically quarantined on their own floor. You more or less couldn't leave your hotel room kind of for any reason whatsoever super weird prep everybody was trying to kind of feel out how this situation was going to go and then it was also one of these we're going to be adding random games as they pop up we were actually scheduled to leave and then jay said oh i grabbed an extra game so like villanova stuck around i think if i recall correctly was it was it virginia tech i think was the game that we got added which we ended up losing and it was just this weird like psychological thing are we leaving are we staying oh, we've got to spend another 24 hours like stuck in basically a hotel with the coaching staff. It honestly sounded terrible, but totally representative of like what the team had to go through last year. Thankfully, don't have to deal with that situation this year. So a return to a little bit more normal Mohegan Sun. The fans are going to be there. You have to imagine the team's going to be back to normal as we talk through with Shaq. So that's exciting to see just more of a normal turkey tournament and some great teams to play as well, too. All right. Should you we said everything you? that needed to be said there. <laughs> Perfect. Um, all right. Should we talk about a little bit about Tennessee? Should we start off there? Yeah. You're the only 10 I see. Oh, wow. Thanks, Chris. That's dad that's joke, beautiful. baby. That's dad beautiful. joke. Dad joke it. of the week. All right. So Tennessee, are they hot? Are they not? I don't know. They're like. 18th in the country. They're one or no. Haven't really played anybody. It's a little too early for that. But I would say they're kind of like lukewarm at this point. Here's what I'm going to say. I'm a buyer of late on the SEC. Okay. Okay. So as a conference in general in basketball, um, you get a lot of athletes down there. You'll remember last year, in the absence of Kentucky having a, a, a trash season last year, Alabama looked good. Tennessee had a decent year. Uh, I think Florida, I forget. Um, oh, and Arkansas also looked uh, really, really good with uh, Musselman as their coach. Um, so, like, you know, I think that there is a lot to like about the SEC um, basketball-wise. Yeah. So, with that, I'm inclined to think this is a hot team. This is a team that this is going to be a good win if we can if we can get it. Um, and I think we're the better team. Yeah. Um, you know, also, also Rick Rick Barnes is a great coach. Rick Barnes is an excellent coach, like um, Hall, Hall of Fame level coach for sure. Yeah, they're ranked twelve in Ken Palm. So, and look, Ken Palm is Ken Palm right now. He's obviously putting in a lot of there's a lot of like estimates built into his numbers. Yeah, based on prior year performance and expectation of growth. There's a lot of there's a lot of factors that are playing in um, variables, so to speak. 
So 12 in Ken Palm is not the most telling thing, but it does tell you that this team is legit. They're ranked 18th by the AP. So, you know, when you factor those things together, this is a team that's supposed to be, you know, potentially a four or five seed type team, um, you know, this year. That's what people expect them to be. Um, So when you put that all together, this is a tough game. And, and like, I think people's natural tendency is to hope that we get Purdue in the second game Um, and not to overlook a ranked team, so to speak, but like might might be hoping that we get that big Purdue matchup in order to get there though. Cause I think Purdue is going to beat UNC, but we'll get into that later. Um, We got to beat Tennessee and Tennessee is going to be a tough test. And if we can win this game, this is a big non-conference game to put on our resume later in the year. Yeah, I agree. I think Tennessee is going to be one of those teams that they're going to stick around. And at the end of the year, they're also going to be a top 25 team. This isn't going to be an Arizona state like we saw last year, which we were excited about, picked up this nice win. And then Arizona state just absolutely fell off the map. And that win was kind of worth nothing at the end of the year. So I'm with you on this one, the player to watch on Tennessee And then I think that leads into the matchup to watch is Kennedy Chandler. So Tennessee has this amazing recruiting class coming in, came in at this point, two five stars, two pretty highly ranked four stars as well. Kennedy Chandler's one of, if not the best freshman point guards in the country. He's fast. He is absolutely going to test our defense and to test Colin. You have to imagine this is one of these where Jay's going to make sure that Colin's not the guy guarding him uh, every possession. Hopefully you get a little bit of Slater in there, a little bit of speed and size to balance that out. Just because Chandler is supposed to be a pretty fast guy. We know speed is not Colin's greatest attribute. So that to me is the big thing that we'll have to watch. And granted, Tennessee's only played one game and it was against kind of a cupcake opponent. But Chandler kind of lived up to the billing. I think he put up around 20 points or so. So look, he knows how to play. He's absolutely going to be the guy that I think we're going to have to watch. A couple of their other recruits that came in, they've got another, um, another five-star guy they have coming in, this guy Huntley Hatfield. I think he's like 6'9 or something, 230. And this is getting into a theme that we're going to hit with the rest of these previews as well too. This is going to be a big test week for Eric Dixon. He is going to play some legit big men and he, we're going to learn a lot about him. Is he able to hold up offensively? Is he able to hold up defensively? Is he able to stay out of foul trouble? And so not everything's going to flow through Huntley Hatfield with Tennessee, but I think it's going to be enough of a test for, for Dixon that we'll, we'll start to learn something about that. Yeah. I mean, look, I don't have much to add in terms of, in terms of content about that. Um, but this is an interesting matchup because this is a, a sharp recruiting class and a good, a decent returning cast yeah. um, versus obviously our veterans. Um, so the question is, does the athleticism, does the talent that uh, the Tennessee brought in, how does that match up versus the experience um, and steadiness of our team? What I think that could end up in is it could be an interesting first half. I think over time, we salt them down and kind of just establish and maintain our strength and um, and finally end up with uh, a, a big win against a ranked opponent. 
that will look good because as I mentioned, when you have a young team, um, they're going to get better throughout the year um, as Rick Barnes continues to, uh, to play them. So I view this as a win um, going on. I don't know how, by how much, um, like I end up actually end up thinking that with fouls and whatnot, it ends up being 12. I think we end up actually, I think we end up with like five minutes left to go in the game up like seven, eight, and then like, you know, a couple here and there back and forth. Uh, but then fouls at the end of the game end up put, pushing this game to a, a, a 10 to 12 point victory for the cats. I like it. I'm going to go a little bit smaller margin of victory. The thing I think our, our vets are able to pull it out um, and that experience just comes to play. The thing I'm really going to be watching and then watching throughout the week is how much burn that we talked about earlier, how much burn Longino and Trey Patterson get. Those are the two freshmen that I'm looking to see get some time on the court. I want to be able to see what they can do. And I think they'll give us a little bit of a different look. Um, you know, especially when we're playing a team that I think will probably run a little bit deeper with Tennessee. Well, who do you think is the difference maker? I mean, CJ Holmes said that Colin's going to eat Chandler for lunch. I, I don't but, know about that. That's but 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 I don't know who who do you think is this a is this a Slater game? Is this a more is it, I think it's more of a more game. If I'm being honest with you, I think we look at like established good guard play. I think Moore is going to carry the day here. You know, it, it's interesting as I think about it. Um, I kind of like CJ's point. I don't think Colin's going to uh, eat Chandler alive, but I do think Colin's his savvy and his experience is absolutely going to come to play. And I think we could realistically see a game where, yeah, Colin comes in, just drops 20, and we're like, yeah, that was a, a really solid Colin game. Wouldn't surprise me just the sets that Villanova runs that we'd be able to get some good open looks there. So I'm going to go with Colin, actually. All right. That said, I, I think Chandler will like do some definite damage on his offensive end as well, too. So that's why I don't think it's going to be like a domination or anything like that. Yeah. All right. So then we got UNC or Purdue. Yeah. Um, I think so. I said this before. I think that we have to win the Tennessee game to see Purdue. Yeah. UNC is like to me is like a little overrated. They're getting a little bit of a North Carolina you know, it's a, it's a pro it's a program ranking at this point. Powder blue. Yeah. program ranking right now they did not look great against brown you could argue okay they're just you know not excited to play brown they're looking forward to bigger games on the net like that's all fine but it's a new coach it's not roy williams anymore it's hubie davis so you know it's it's definitely um a guy who's got to feel out his head coaching um you know chops Uh, it's it's going to be a little interesting for them um, I think in the early go, they bring back some guys They got a good class. So I, like, there's a lot to like about, uh, UNC if you, if, from like, but I think that what's to like is a little bit more long range in nature. I think that right now, this is not a classic UNC great team. Whereas I think Purdue has a hell of a team assembled. Um, yeah, and totally. I think, I think Purdue is going to look, is going to be high on people's lists early in the year. Um, they have just, they just have, it, it just seems like they just continuously always have just like all of the tall people in the country on their yes, team. 100%, 100%. Um, and so, and so, and, and they have good, they have decent enough guard play. Um, so, you know, uh, to me, they're Ken Palm number five. They're ranked number seven. 
Rob, I think I'm pre- I'm think I'm previewing Purdue more than I'm previewing UNC uh, on this podcast because I think that's who we end up seeing. Now, obviously, you could say, okay, well, if we lose, then we end up playing UNC. Fine, but like I think I said already everything that needs to be said about UNC. Yeah, uh, I think um, regardless of who we play, which I, I really do hope it's Purdue, just from a test perspective. Um, Either matchup is going to be really challenging for Dixon. I'll touch on UNC. One thing I do want to call out, their best guy is Armando Armando Baycott. Actually played with J-Rob back at IMG Academy. He was a five-star recruit a couple of years ago as well. Awesome big man. Going to give Dixon a great test. But ideally, like you said, we end up playing Purdue. The two guys that you, you need to know, well, there's probably three guys on Purdue. But two of them I'm going to lump together because they're like the big fucking trees that Matt Painter always likes to recruit year in and year out. Like, man, if there's stuff that doesn't change in college basketball, it's Jay Wright leading the fashion trends. It's Coach K, like, I don't even know, like people taking swipes to Coach K and Coach K outperforming shit, whatever. It's bullshit. Kansas winning the Big 12. And then it's Matt Painter recruiting two fucking huge people to play like it's 1990 and just run their offense through these power forwards slash centers. Trevion Williams is their main guy. He was an all big 10 player last year, decided to come back. He's 6'10 and like 280 or something like that. It's going to be a load for Dixon to handle. And I think this could be one of these. He either absolutely trashes Dixon or Dixon just shows up and says like, he's not going to stop. To be clear, like he's not going to stop it's, it's one of these, can you limit it? Can you limit the damage and just disrupt their offense enough so that they have to think about some different options? And that, I think, is what Dixon should be aspiring to on this one. The other tall guy they have is Zach Eddy, who still plays like 17, 18 minutes a game. He's seven foot four. Jesus. Dixon, Dixon's what, six eight, six nine max? Yeah. So just huge. Eddie's not as tall or not as talented as. Williams, but he's good enough to score some points. And when you've got six, seven inches on somebody, it's going to make a difference. So really interesting to see what will happen with that. I think that's the real big thing to watch out for. As you allude to, Chris, Purdue's legit. They brought their entire starting five back from last year when they got a number four seed. They didn't perform well in the tournament, but this is a team that knows how to play together. This is a guy, Matt Painter, their coach, who has been at Purdue for a long time. He's got a system in place. He knows how he likes to play. He obviously doesn't have quite the track record of Jay, but he's a very high caliber coach. He's going to have these guys ready. This is going to be a great matchup. If we end up playing them and get the win end of the year, that's like this win's going to be as solid, if not more solid than a win against UCLA. I think there's actually, um, if I'm a betting man, I think Purdue ends up having a better season than UCLA. Well, the, the one thing too is that the Big Ten is a tends to be a tougher test than the Pac-12. So, you know, I I think that you know when you think of strength of schedule on the Purdue front, like if they pick up wins against Michigan and stuff like that, Ohio State, what have you, which they will, like just because they play, they get the, they continue to get those not those opportunities, then then a win against Purdue would be enormous. Look, I hear what you're saying about the Dixon, and it's big for him, and I totally agree. I think if we get Purdue, first off, that means we would have beat Tennessee, which I think is is a huge right. resume builder right. for for this team. 
Um, and then the opportunity to get Purdue, I tend to get your point on the Purdue versus UCLA front. I think that's splitting a little bit of hairs, but fine. I think the key against the big lineup is that Jay has to find a way to impose our will and get them uncomfortable mm. and force them to play at our speed. So I'm actually going to go the opposite direction and say, it's going to come down to guard play on our end. Can we get them to get uncomfortable? Can we stretch them out on the front of Dixon? Can Dixon shoot the three? Can, Interesting. Interesting. can, can Slater shoot the three? Can we get guys to hit shots early in that game to make painter have to adjust to us? I like right? it. Like, because if we start to play this game where half court sets and they're dumping it down in and, and those guys are comfortable and this and the other thing, we're going to, we're, we're just not going to be able to keep up um, with their ability to kind of consistently put the ball through the, through the basket uh, down low. But can we have the guys disrupt the passing lanes? Can we get guys to front the post, make them uncomfortable, get them out of what they do? Um, whenever Villanova plays successfully against a team that's much bigger than them, yeah, it means that we had we got big pl good play down low and people and people did well on that front. But it's because they didn't get opportunities. Um, their big men didn't get opportunities. We have to find a way to do that. Um, so I'm looking at more. I'm looking at Colin. I'm looking at I'm looking at even Daniels. I'm looking at you know who else on the you know who else Samuels Slater. Who else can do that? And and make them adjust to us. So like that. that's my that's my that's my challenge to us on the Purdue game. I'm sure Jay's going to think the same thing. Um, you know, I, I would look for Purdue to take a pretty sizable early lead, like ten to twelve points, um, because we just get trapped into trying to play their game. And then the halftime adjustments or the in-game adjustments by Jay force us to go small. And that small ball helps us if the ball is going through the hoop. If we're cold shooting, this is going to be a long, a long yeah. game for us versus Purdue. I would love but, to see. I would love to see Dixon out there stretching the floor and shooting the three. He took a number of shots in his limited time on the floor last year. Would love to see that become a little bit more of his regular repertoire. It obviously yeah. does wonders for our offense. He's doing you that. have to get them. You have to get those guys off of the middle of the. You guys got to yeah. get. You got. We got to spread them out. Like yeah. you got to get them out of the, out of the paint. Yeah. So if Dixon can spread the offense a little bit, it'll free up the driving lanes for, for more and stuff like that. So that that's going to be how it is. Otherwise it's going to be just a, a block party yeah. and it's going to, it's going to be ugly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's definitely a game to look forward to, you know, I, I, what do you think of that? What do you think of this week? Or like a two in one week? I think a two in one week is pretty realistic. Howard is a gimme. I think we both said we feel good enough about Tennessee that we should win that. Or in the chance where we lose to Tennessee, I think we then pick up a win against regardless of UNC or Purdue. I just think if we're coming off of a loss, I think we'll pick up the win. I think Jay will coach these guys back. And I think there's enough veteran leadership on that team that it would be challenging for us to pick up two losses in a row. It'll be UNC in my mind. I like. I don't think we're gonna. I think Purdue's gonna stomp all over UNC, and so I do think that we'll beat UNC in the second game. I'd rather the two and one where we beat Tennessee and lose to Purdue, mm. and lose to Tennessee and beat UNC. I'm just yeah. not seeing it with UNC this year. Yeah. Oh yeah. So um, we're both saying two and one this week at least. Yeah, two and one. 
and then and then we get into Big Five and Baylor and stuff like that in Syracuse. And I think there's a lot of wins in the second part of our non-conference schedule. Yeah. Um, so so don't worry too much. But I can understand if we lose a game um, this weekend, fans getting a little antsy and yeah. not wanting to drop to like three or four losses in the non-conference schedule. But just be patient. Yeah. Um, Should we look ahead to uh, some of the rest of the Big East as well? There are a couple interesting games coming up this week. Yeah, we have the Gavit tip-off games, which I continue to protest on the grounds that Villanova hasn't played Michigan State yet. Yeah, but did did they get back to you on your on your protest and your formally lodged uh, complaints? uh, No, no, they haven't gotten back to me. That's surprising. I figured they would have gotten back to you by now. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is an environment in this in this world where people listen to protesters a lot. So this is, you know, um, I'm surprised. But yes, there, there were a lot of people marshalling behind you as well to just show their enthusiasm for the injustice that Villanova has suffered at the hands of the Gavit games. That's right. It continues to be a, just a worldwide disgrace. But anyway, here we are. This is 2021. We do have two intriguing matchups to see kind of where the Big East stands in all of this. Yeah. Um, the first one is, in my mind, Seton Hall visits Michigan. Ooh. Um, now, I wish it was the other way, Michigan at Seton Hall, because mm. I think Seton Hall at the Prudential Center, Center earlier this early in the year can be dangerous. So yeah. I'm not seeing Seton Hall beating Michigan here. Um, I think this is a I think Michigan's good, and I think Michigan's going to end up winning this pretty comfortably. But if Seton Hall can handle themselves pretty well on the road, um, that might bode well for their chances long term um, in the Big East schedule. Um, and then, and then the other game that I am very interested to see is how Ohio State does at Xavier. I believe that game's at Xavier. Um, I could be wrong. I'm just double checking. Yes, Ohio State's at Xavier. Uh, I love that. I love that for Xavier. Um, Ohio State's ranked. It's an all Ohio matchup. Um, Xavier's really good at home. Their fans are really into it. Um, I think that Xavier picks up an early season win on behalf of the conference against Ohio state at the Sintas center um, versus old big East coach. Um, Chris Holtman, Chris Holtman. Yeah. So uh, I, uh, I, I like the chances there for Xavier. So those are two big games. I think Xavier picks up one of the first big wins and resume builders for the conference um, early this week. Yeah. I can see it happening. I don't think that's necessarily going to be an indication of how good Xavier actually is. I think they're very much going to benefit from some nice home court advantage there. And the fact that this is a little bit of an in-state rivalry as well, too. So there'll be plenty of energy around that one. But yeah, I could absolutely see Xavier pulling that out. I think Seton Hall is going to get smoked by Michigan. Uh, I'm not all that bullish on the hall. I'm with you. If it was at the at the Rock, the Prudential Center, it'd be a little bit of a different story, but it's not. Um, so I think the Big East comes out of these big games, one and one this week, and then we'll see what happens um, with the rest of the field after that. All right, little little couple grab bag things. Yeah. We did have the we have a, we had the 2022 recruiting class sign uh, this year, and they all signed, which was good. That's always <laughs> no, the one no, thing. No surprises. That's good. No surprise. They all signed their agreements, um, but they're coming, and this is a hell of a class. Um, Brendan Housen, I want to talk about him first really quick, sniper, but he's coming out of like Bumblefuck, Texas. And Absolutely. like, that's the, that's the highlight for me is that Jay's recruiting 
is now becoming like a national thing because, oh, I want to play for Jay Wright of Villanova. Totally. Like, that's the that's the takeaway from the Housen commit. Um, he's 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 a sniper. Uh, we need shooters. Um, can never have enough of them in the Jay Wright system. So I love I love it for for the Cats. Um, the two recruits that I'm more excited about, I think Housen might be a candidate for a redshirt. If I'm being completely honest with you, um, the, the 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 recruits I'm more excited about are Mark Armstrong and Cam Whitmore, and specifically Whitmore is just an Duh. electric athlete. Um, five-star, terrific athlete, uh, terrific all-around player, has a complete skill set. I am really pumped for that commit. Yeah, Kim Whitmore is, uh, man, this dude's body, he's ready for D1, baby. Like, let's get him on the floor tomorrow. He is, he's ready to go. It's going to be fun to watch him. Five-star, like you said, like, he's going to, ideally, he should roll into campus on day one, fighting for a starting spot. Um, that should absolutely be in his mind. I'm sure it is. It's one of those, you know, a couple of years ago, I would have been surprised if a five-star walked onto campus and didn't grab a, a starting spot, but we've obviously seen plenty of evidence of that, um, in the J Wright area where that doesn't quite happen. I hope that's not the case with, uh, with Cam this year. But when Jay is a truly exceptional athlete, who's also body ready, he does tend, he does tend totally. to get them in totally. Spellman, Brunson, and, yeah. um, and J Rob all yeah. earned starters time um, when they came to campus. Yeah, so. absolutely. So. Uh, and then Mark Armstrong, nice little combo yeah. guard. You have to imagine they'll I have to imagine they'll probably start slotting him more towards the one and kind of pushing him towards primary ball handling responsibilities, but great four-star guard, got a great trajectory in terms of his, um, his recruiting and his ranking there. So it'd be cool to see him come in as well. It'll yep. be interesting, interesting to see kind of how the point guard responsibilities play out the next couple of years. Cause we've got, obviously Colin will finally be leaving Villanova after this year. Justin will have a year left, but then if we've he comes got, back, if he comes if he, back yeah. and then we've got obviously, you know, Brizzy arch, and then we'd have Armstrong coming in. Wouldn't surprise me depending on how he does. If Armstrong really starts to try to make a push for, for one of those starting spots or at least some significant minutes, but we'll see. I like it. But there's a lot of time left before we talk about next yes, year. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk a little bit more about some things um, this year. We got some mailbag questions, right? Mm. We're up to the mailbag. Um, up to the mailbag. Let's do it. Yeah. Love, love the questions from the fans. We love you guys. We love the interaction. The Twitter spaces the other night was a lot of fun. I obviously joined late after a few drinks at the bar. So apologies if, uh, my answers were less than coherent, but I guess that's pretty consistent with what you get on the podcast anyway. But anyway, point being, love the interaction, love the questions, keep them coming. We'll do our best to answer them. Yeah. First ones, the first little group is around Brian Antoine. Um, yeah. We brought him up a little bit on the first part of the podcast um, and kind of what, where, what, what's going to happen there and what's going on. I think Jay's got a lot of pressure on him to, uh, and him being Jay. I think Jay's got pressure on himself. Um, to play Antoine a lot when he comes back into the rotation. As long as Antoine gets right physically, I, Jay has to play. This is a five-star guy. And look, he's had injuries and he's had issues that have not been Jay's fault. But going back to Antoine's first year on campus, um, Antoine was relegated to the bench when he was healthy. Yeah. And, and there was a lot that was said around, okay, you know, is he buying in, et cetera. We've later learned that he 
um, that after a little bit of a slow start, he definitely fully bought in and was fully engaged. He played a lot later in the year last year um, after Colin went down. I think that all points to a good sign that Antoine is going to be a factor in the rotation when he comes back. I just got to get, we just got to get him healthy. Um, The good news is I think the prognosis on the injury, while it was something that is a bother that he wasn't able to get really going yet um, and will take a little bit of time to heal. The good news is that I don't think this is anything that spoke to dog him once he does get back into the rotation. So my hope is that once he's back, he's back and he'll be a force. I think where Jay will end up putting him is ahead of Archie Diacono. Uh, The prediction of where he should be versus where Jay will put him. I think he'll be ahead of Archie Diacono on the, on the bench. So I think he'll jump to the seventh guy position. If he plays really well, I hope that Jay is able to see that and vaults him ahead of Caleb Daniels. But I'm not going to expect that early on in the year. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is you mentioned he's a five star. That's a few years in the past. I don't I don't like, you know, he's this is his third year in college at this point. You're you're ranking a few years ago in high school is is whatever. It's irrelevant. To me, it's just he just brings something different and brings a lot of energy to the floor brings obviously some great shooting as we saw towards the end of the year when he's getting into the bit, bit of that rhythm. So I am excited to get him on the floor. I think he can be a difference maker to this team and should absolutely be getting some significant minutes with a pretty long leash in my mind before those start getting taken back. This is a team that needs athleticism. Yeah. It needs, it needs more shooting candidly. Um, needs someone to stretch the floor a little bit more. And need someone who's springy and bouncy on the defensive end. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. We're going to need somebody later on in the year when we start to get into the tournament and face athletic teams and athletic guards. We're going to need someone who can do that. And Antoine is the guy more than any other of our current guard complement that can yeah, do that. Totally. And unless Jay shows that he's willing to play Longino. Yeah. Um, and and sorry, after one after one week, he hasn't shown that capability yet. Yeah. Um, so. I want to talk, I want to stay on, I want to stay on current players before we um, freshmen or current players, but I want to stay on like the kind of returning guys. I want to jump yeah. to the, um, the question on, uh, I want to talk question on Slater. Um, Slater shot five or seven from three on Wednesday and then only um, have one really one opportunity or two opportunities uh, against UCLA. That to me is totally a matchup thing. Um uh, Slater was a mismatch against Mount St. Mary's. And I think he'll be a mismatch against a lot of teams against UCLA. We talked about Slater need to stepping up on the defensive end and he did. Um, but UCLA had, had an answer for Brandon Slater in terms of getting him open for looks um, from the three point line um, in, in that game. So I think that's purely a matchup thing. I don't expect that. I, I think that Slater's has the green light and I think he's going to be taking three, four shots a game from deep, in a normal game, maybe even more. Um, but, you know, we're going to have to find ways to get Slater some alley-oops and stuff like that too, to involve him as well. Yeah. And then and there was a question about what happened to Collins stretch in the second half. Uh, he was tired. It was like one 30 in the morning for him and, and he was exhausted. Yeah, and so played, played mean, the whole game basically. Yeah. yeah. Played the whole game. And, and that's just not going to be the answer. And we talked about the rotation 
a lot in the first part of the podcast. And so Jay's got to figure that out. Jay's got to figure out he's going to have to keep Colin fresh late in the games. So I, I don't know why that still hasn't dawned on him, <laughs> but he, he's got to do that. Nothing's wrong with Colin from an injury standpoint. He seems perfectly healthy. He's moving well. Yeah. Um, so I, to me, that's just purely like you can't just sit there on a heavy, heavy defensive game, a heavy physical game. And expect Colin, even as conditioned and as well-oiled of a machine Colin is um, from his body standpoint, you can't expect him to to do that for 40 straight minutes um, with really no help um, on the defense uh, on the uh, from the bench. So yeah. Colin's got to play a little bit less in the first part of the game, and so he can play more um, to close out games um, as we go on to the season. Yeah, I want to hit on the Jermaine question we got real quick. Yeah. Could Jermaine average 20 points a game to Jerry Hoop more? I think full stop. The answer is yes. I'd love to see that a lot more. This has been something I've been harping on for a while. I think his development is like borderline criminal. I think he should have been developed way more as a slasher. And that should have been his role on the team. And instead, you know, maybe because of team needs, maybe because of team philosophy, it was a lot of spot up three point shooting for a while. And only in the last, you know, year and a half, have we really started to unleash him more, as an attack player to really drive to the hoop. I actually think that's where he is most differentiated in his skill set. He's extremely physical. And because of the guys he get, he's extremely physical and an extremely um, superior athlete relative to a lot of the people that he lines up against. And I would love to see him be way more decisive and be attacking the hoop or making a quick decision to spot up and take a shot or pass it. I think that's one of the areas he can improve in. So I think it's a long way of saying, yeah, he could definitely average a lot more points if he was just a lot more decisive, whether it's attacking or whether it's doing a quick shot. Yep. All right. So we got questions on the freshmen. Um, a lot of it has to do with playing time. <laughs> and I get it. I get the questions. I mean, we, we brought it up. It's an early yeah. narrative. Um, or sorry, I said this on the first part. Not a narrative just yet, but it's an early result. Um, that is worth monitoring uh, was the freshman playing time. Yeah. We did say early on in the year that we didn't expect to see like when we, early on in the podcast that we didn't expect to see a lot of the freshmen. Then Jay had a massive lineup against Mount St. Mary's and a lot of the noise coming from the program. And they usually are intentional about that is that Longino looked to be a beast. Patterson's bulked up and Nana is enormous. We're going to need that depth. Jay keeps saying that we need depth. He's going to have to use it. And that might come at the expense um, of, of, of another loss or two early in the year. But I, I, to me, we say this all the time, I'd rather pick up a loss and steam through the end of the season and look really good coming into March um, than, than win a bunch of games and then be gassed by the end of the year. Um, that's the difference between, you know, the 2016 team and the 2017 team. Um, yeah. So to me, I want to see Jay um, – use the opportunities of playing big time opponents to at least get first half minutes for the freshmen um, and see what they got, see what they're capable of. Um, and chief among them for me is Longino um, because with Antoine out, we need yeah. help at the guard position. Um, and so I think Longino has got to be that guy. Yeah. I think um, he, he's absolutely the guy. If I'm like, one of our questions was who would you, who do you think might be trusted towards the end of the year? He's the guy I think where he actually has an interesting role and a bit of a gap in the team that he can fill. I think some of the other players, there's a little bit less of that gap to fill. So I think he could step into a little bit more of that, 
that guard type role. With Antoine, I said it again, but I'll say it again. Antoine down, uh, um, Caleb Daniels making bad decisions um, and not playing well. And Chris Archidiacono being Chris Archidiacono. Yeah. Like Longino has to be a factor. Yeah. If Antoine comes back and Daniel starts to play a little bit better and make a little bit better decisions, then there's a little bit more understandable. Um, it could be more understandable if Jay has Longino in limited minutes in yeah. a limited role. Until that point, Longino's got to play more. Totally. Um, all right. I Ooh. think that's it. I, I think it that's a, it. That was a lot. I'm, big, I'm big week. Big week. I'm tired I, too. I need to get another coffee before I even do this yard work. Sounds good. Um, uh, anyway, great. Big week this week. Hope to get three wins. I think it's going to be two. Um, but you know, we we did a full preview. We recovered the games. We did a lot. We we're bringing you a lot of full forty early all the, on in the all year. The content, all the all content. content. All the content. We want to thank Brian and Rachel um, for for their help and their patience as we talk through this long winded episode. Um, they've been sticking with us the entire time. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And as always, let's, let's go, go Nova. Nova.